Welcome to the GB News Real Me podcast. I'm Gloria DiPiero. Now, we all have views on politics and politicians, but aside from the spin and the knockabout, who are they? What makes them tick? What's their life story? And why have they chosen a life in politics? That's what the Real Me podcast is all about. We hope you enjoy a very different type of political interview. My guest for this episode is Vicky Foxcroft, the Labour MP for Lewisham Deptford since 2015. Following the deaths of five young people from her constituency and the sharp rise in knife crime, Vicky arranged a parliamentary debate on youth violence which led to the establishment of the Youth Violence Commission. She has previously been an opposition whip to Jeremy Corbyn and Shadow Minister for Civil Society and in 2020 she became Minister for Disabled People. I asked her what 15-year-old Vicky Foxcroft would have thought of her now becoming Member of Parliament. I never would have believed it in the slightest. And actually, when I kind of think about it, part of the reason why I would never have believed it isn't because it would have been something that I thought um, I wouldn't want to do, but it would have been something that I would have thought is something that I would never be able to do because people like me didn't go on and become MPs. What do you mean by people like you? Um, People from, you know, more kind of working class backgrounds who, um, you know, haven't been kind of educated in a certain way, who haven't been kind of primed from a young age to think that they could go on and do these things and make laws in the country and stuff like that. And what was your background like? It was a fairly tough background. I spent a large amount of our childhood moving about quite a lot. It made it quite hard at times to be able to get a decent education when you're changing school a lot. But also there was quite a lot of other things that went on in our life that were also, you know, quite big distractions. Obviously, you say whatever you want to say, but um, do you want to talk about any of those distractions? So my mum um, suffered a lot of domestic abuse when we were younger and that was part of the reasons why we had to move about, you know, so much. And um, I kind of, as you get older, you think and you reflect on these things and sometimes when you're younger, you're quite angry because you think, oh, well, why is this happening in my life? You know, why why on my eight-year-old birthday am I getting a pair of school shoes and I'm not getting a tub of hair gel, which I really want. But when you get older, you realise actually your mum couldn't afford that. And actually she was prioritising the things that were important for you. But when you're younger, you can be sometimes a bit of a, a, bit of a brat, to be fair. Is your mum OK with you talking about her, her, her yeah, the I, domestic abuse that she's... Yeah, I spoke to my mum beforehand. And um, in fact, it was a few years ago when I spoke to her and I said, I'm so sorry, mum. I was like, I was, I was quite hard work as a kid and, and not really kind of realising everything that that she was going through at the time and how hard everything was for her. Um, so, so yeah, she's, yeah. She's OK. OK. Um, that must have been a tough time, obviously, for your mum, but it affects children as well who are witnessing their mums being subject to abuse, violence, whatever it was. Do you still have scars from, from that? 
Yeah, very much so. And it's, you know, sometimes domestic abuse is unfortunately also um, with, um, you know, uh, sexual abuse. And, you know, sometimes so me and my sister were subject to that when we were younger. And um, you're too scared to say anything about anything that's happening to you in life because your mum's also being beaten up and you don't know what will happen if you go and raise, you know, kind of things that have gone and happened in your life. Um, and so, you know, I know me and my sister are really, you know, super, super close and, you know, we chat all the time. And, you know, I was chatting to her about, you know, this interview today before um, we came on. Um, and I think it's really, you know, it is important to be able to talk about stuff, but it is also really difficult too. So I know that I don't talk about things that happened in my life very much um, because it can be quite tough to be able to do that. I am um, a little lost for words because it's, it's very difficult to hear somebody uh, say that they were subject to not only witness to domestic abuse that their mum was going through, but also that they were personally subject to sexual abuse too. That is, that is a lot to deal with as a child. Do you think it's important to talk about it because it will give comfort to other people? Because it's, it's a big thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. And also kind of in terms of politics, um, one of the things you know, becoming an MP and realising and thinking, oh, you know, actually, uh, you know, could I be an MP? Should I be an MP? But actually, life experience is really important. And actually, there will be a lot of young people out there who should think that they should be an MP because actually what they've got to offer, you know, is really important. And it's not always having to talk about the experiences, but it is... Um, about seeking to change, you know, the laws, seeking to make sure that, you know, domestic abuse refuges are properly funded, you know, seeking support that um, when kids have gone and had, you know, that real trauma in their life, that they're actually supported, you know, in the future. And that's what politicians can do. And if I just give you one example of, I was speaking um, at a school and I love that is one of my favourite things in terms of the job. And I talked about, um, you know, moving about all of the time and being in temporary accommodation. And this kid came to me afterwards and she said, I am just like you. She's like, I'm going to go and be an MP in the future. And that, that is, you know, so powerful that by talking about stuff, you can make kids that, that might be in the classroom feeling like, they're the ones that aren't going to go on and do stuff in the future. And then they've got somebody who's exactly like them and, and is an MP and then being, a, being able to believe in themselves in the future and know that they can make a difference. I don't want to go into any detail that makes you feel uncomfortable. So just say whatever you feel able to say. I don't, I don't know this. I'm guessing there was a particular man who abused you um, when you were a, a, a... I don't know how old you were when this happened. Did anything happen to that man? Yeah. So, well, yes and no. So he's dead now. And um, he had quite a brutal, um, you know, death. 
And I have to say when, so we got um, interviewed by the police um, because of this, because we're obviously an interested um, party. I felt really bad because I was so happy he died. And I don't often feel like that in my life, but I was like, he's had a pretty brutal death and, you know, and it makes me feel guilty that I feel happy about that. But when we were younger and everything was reported to the police, we got taken to a safe house. Um, mom. Yeah, and my sister. Me and my sister were separated from each other and it was awful, but they had to separate us. But, you know, for my sister, she really didn't understand it. She thought that I was, um, you know, kind of abandoning her, but she'd not seen me outside the room, shouting and screaming, trying to get in the room. But we gave all of this information and nothing went and happened. How old were you? 12, 13. Twelve, and your sister was? Um, 11. Oh. Yeah. And so nothing went and happened in terms of that stuff. So that stays with you because you're like, we told the police about this. You know, eventually, after quite a long time, this stuff's there and they know it. And then they don't, they don't do anything with it. So you, rep you were sexually abused by a man you... You told the police you were you were when you were a child, obviously. You told you reported to the police. You had to leave the your home and go. And your mum, your sister, and you had to move into a a safe house. No, so we were in a safe house while the police were right, okay. um, interviewing us. Um, and um, what's a safe house? Just so you. You kind of, I mean, I was very young at the yeah, time, yeah. but you kind of go into like a police house and they separate you all off and they do different interviews with you at different times to make sure that nobody's encouraging somebody to say something. Um, and, you know, obviously my mum had suffered domestic abuse from him. So it's whether or not you can be seen that the kids are, you know, saying something that isn't true um and you know so we you know we we'd said everything but then nothing nothing happened with it because you know you're saying this stuff's been going on for for years and you know nothing happened nothing happened no and then afterwards we didn't have anywhere to live so we then had to move about it was in his terms, house yeah um, which I think is one of the reasons why my mum stayed with him until that point was to keep a roof over our heads. Um, and, you know, you can understand that, yeah. you know, she's thinking, oh, I'm just being beaten. Like, I mean, he did hit me once or twice, but, um, you know, you're thinking, oh, at least they've got a roof over their heads. And then afterwards we were, <laughs> um, it's actually some really kind people, but they let us stay in their um, caravan outside their house in, um, in Rottenstall. Um, in Lancashire, Rosendale. Yeah. Yeah. So up north. So you lived in a in a caravan for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? It was all right. I mean, we were <laughs> we were glad to be away from yeah. him and everything that was happening there. And then we did end up in a housing association place. Um, so um, yeah, it was it was fine. It's it's funny at times how you can be grateful for some stuff. Um, like having, you know, a caravan and somewhere to live and me, my mum and my sister were all together. So, you know, we were obviously worried when we were being interviewed of the police because they said, if your mum goes back with him, then you're taken into care. So I was very grateful that the three of us were all together. So 
you, you said you moved around a lot during your, like, were you always in Lancashire? Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Did you have to go to, were you always at the same school? No, no, so I went to a number of primary schools and three different high schools. How do you do at school? I did terribly. So I um, didn't get any A's to C's in my GCSEs. Um, but I did go to college and I studied big tech performing arts and I did English at night school. And completely unsurprisingly to most people that would know me, I went on to university to study drama and business. I'm, um, I'm not being very articulate because I'm trying to digest what you've told me, which is, which is, and trying to think of all the implications for you of, of speaking out and just wanting you to be comfortable that you've, you've, you've spoken out about this for the first time. Yeah, and I have to say, I think that my mum has had, has done such a fantastic job and had such a tough time. Um, and this is the reason why, you know, people need to be knowing that they can get more support, you know, when they're going through stuff like that and not having to make some of the really, you know, hard decisions that my mum had to make at different times to make sure that we had a roof over our heads and food in our bellies. There's very little trauma that I can imagine comparing to the trauma that you have described. Um, were you poor throughout as well? Yeah. Tell me about Christmas Day. Oh, someone would always work really hard on Christmas Day and we would have, um, you know, like a nice um, meal. We wouldn't always have loads and loads of presents, but, um, but yeah, she would, she would really, um, you know, work hard for Christmas Day. In fact, my sister still does it now. She probably goes a bit overboard in terms of Christmas Day for her kids. Yeah, but you mentioned birthdays, saying that sometimes that was a pair of school shoes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, so sometimes when we lived in some other caravans, because we, you know, when you're moving about in temporary accommodation, you'll be like in, um, you know, bed and breakfasts, caravans, and so forth. Um, we wouldn't necessarily have, um, you know, much money. So I remember once when Mum had to make rice and tomato ketchup. I love tomato ketchup. <laughs> But, um, but she was um, like, you have to eat this and screaming at me because I was like, I'm not eating this. Um, I ate it. My mum's quite a scary woman. <laughs> so going hungry. But, well, she was trying to yeah. make sure you weren't going hungry. Yeah. But rice is cheap and filling. Yeah, and, and it was the only thing that she's got a bit of yeah. taste. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do you feel when you think about... Not everyone in Parliament is posh, but there are a lot of posh MPs. Do you wish there were more people who had had your sorts of experience in Parliament? Yeah, and I think Parliament would be a lot better for it. I remember once I was talking to a Tory MP, I'm not going to say his name, but I, um, we were talking about moving about and the disruption on um, education and so forth, and he was like, oh, your parents in the uh, armed forces. And I was like, no, just grew up really flipping poor. <laughs> I used a different word when I said that to him. So, what an extraordinary, extraordinary story. There will be people, because you have spoken, you have said what you have said, who will be crestfallen, because there'll be children who are going through, who are being abused, of course, we know it. We're hoping the police are better now, right? that the police would, that something would happen yeah. 
if a, if, a, if a mom and her two daughters, young children, went and reported sexual abuse to the police, then something would happen to the perpetrator. Yeah, we would hope so. I, th I think, sadly, too many times in terms of the level of um, you know, evidence that you have to get and the prosecution rates, I still think that, that they're incredibly low and um, you know, the amount that you, you need to be seen to be able to prove on things is quite high. Um, and, you know, kids' voices um, aren't at times really heard very well. If anybody is watching this who has been through, who has been sexually abused, if any child um, is watching this, do you have any advice to them? You have overcome that obviously there must be trauma, there's scars that stay with you for, yeah. forever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that people need to be able to get the support and the counselling that they need to be able to make sure that they can, you know, talk about have stuff. Have you had counselling to deal with it? No, but my but my sisters had some. Um, I would I would say not enough, but I think it's I think it's really important to be able to do that. And sometimes it's quite hard to speak to people that are close to you. So actually, needing to speak to other people. I mean, I hold a lot of stuff in, and I don't talk about a lot of stuff at a lot of time. And if I'm if I'm really honest, I kind of go with gallows humour quite a lot in terms of stuff. You know, that's my coping mechanism for stuff. What you have demonstrated is that really adverse childhoods don't mean that you can't achieve great things. So that is a happy thing. And you got married recently, didn't you? On I the did. Sixth of August. Yeah. So there is um, so so that is a happy a happy uh, side to your to your recent life. You're, you you have a happy and fulfilled life now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm very close to my family who all were at the wedding as well. My sister made the wedding cake, which was fantastic. So your trauma doesn't end at that point, does it? And we've talked about the wonderful, the, the recent happy memories. You got pre pregnant at 16. Tell me about that. Um, so I um, was pregnant. Um, I um, had a baby girl, Veronica. Um, she, um, I, um, oh, I, um, I lost my baby girl, um, because of a complicated labour, but some of the stuff in terms of the complications with the labour were around the hospital trusting the machinery that was there, um, and that led to a cord around a throat, which um, sadly meant she was severely brain damaged and not able to come back from stuff. Um, it was quite possibly one of the hardest things in my life. And um, I, I, I spoke about this in Parliament, as you know. Um, and the reason why I went and did this was I was thinking about it a lot when there was the baby loss awareness um, debate in Parliament and I felt like there were other stories that needed to be told for other people like me who felt at the time like it didn't matter to other people because I was young 
and that, oh, your life will be better for this when it's not. I find it really hard to speak about stuff and I kind of do go a bit frozen when I do um, because I've never really gotten over it and I don't think you ever do. I don't think anybody ever... How, how long did you have Veronica for? Five days. Okay. Yeah. Did and you she, take her home? No, she was on a machine the entire time. So after quite a traumatic labour, you can't really stand up and stuff. So I was just wheelchair to her to be able to see her for the first few days. 16 years old. But I didn't feel like a 16-year-old. If this happened to me when I was 30-year-old or whatever age, you know, the, 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 the losing your baby and how people react towards that is the same you know, whatever your age, but actually it feels really harsh at that age when people are almost like, you'll, you'll be, be better off, the impact on your life isn't so much, when it clearly is. I've never had children since because I couldn't ever go through that ever, ever again. Do you think about Veronica every day? I do, I do, but what I... Like I said, I try and compartmentalise certain things. So, you know, for me, the time when I kind of allow myself to break down is the day she was born to the day she died. So the 22nd to the 27th of February. Um, every year is my time when I try not to do too much and I um, allow myself to, um, you know... Yeah, grieve. Grieve. Do you still grieve? And I'd get, God, how old would she be? My math is not good, but yeah, she'd be a... 27, yeah. 27. This has um, been quite a harrowing interview to do, let alone to go through the things that you have described to us today. It's, you must be incredibly strong. To, look, it would have... It would, any of those events would have challenged anybody but all of those events. And you, put it in your own words, I mean, you ha must have extraordinary strength. It's funny, because sometimes you don't think that necessarily about yourself, because you just kind of get on and, and try and deal with things in the best um, way possible. But I think so many people, you know, have got really hard, tough lives, and they have amazing strength. You know, I'm talking, you know, as a politician who's able to talk and raise things in Parliament from a really, you know, privileged position, and a lot of other people, you know, don't have that, but they have great strength as well. I've got to ask you, because it's the first time that you have spoken about being sexually abused as a child. Do you feel like, is it, is it cathartic in any way? Is it, do you think, should I have spoken about that? Or are you pleased that you've, you, you've, it's out there? So everything that happened to me and my sister happened worse to my sister. And I always feel so guilty about that because, um, you know, part of me was, I was a kid, 
I was unsure and, you know, you, you kind of are like, is, is that right? Because somebody says, oh, this is daddy's things that, you know, these things are supposed to be things that happen to you. Um, and just to be clear, this is not your, your, your biological dad. No, 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 God, no, 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 not in yeah, a but, slightest. But he would, but he would describe yeah, himself yeah. as daddy, yeah. To, to try and, you know, it's because there's a mind games that go along with stuff yeah. as well to make you feel like if you question anything that you're in the wrong. And I, I think there was a bit of me that was really knowing that things were wrong, but, you know, sometimes, you know, my sister would be left with things happening worse than that. You know, I always feel, you know, guilty about and that I didn't do more to go and, you know, protect my, my sister in terms of stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think the one thing that would be really cathartic in some ways is being able to turn back the clock and being able to be, to realise, you know, at that, that point that actually this is all wrong, what was happening. Um, you're a child, you're a child. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's hard. Um, and that's the thing for, you know, kids that are, are, you know, if they're going through stuff, if they raise it, if you've got any kind of signs that somebody's going through it, you know, ask them to explain everything. And when you do, you'll realise, you know, how wrong all of this stuff is. Vicky Foxcroft, that has just been the most extraordinary life story. And I'm so grateful that you have shared the real you with, with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for listening to the GB News Real Me podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And you can join me every Monday to Thursday from midday live on GB News for The Briefing, your hour-long dose of political analysis. Thank you.